Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read the story of the triumphal entry because it is Palm Sunday. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. How many you know that the Lord, he knew? He was speaking forth a word of knowledge. This is going to happen. He knew because he, he was preparing the heart of that person that had that colt and that donkey. Can you imagine? Well, I'm just going to come to your house. I'm going to say, um, the Lord told me I'm supposed to use your car. The Lord has need of it. How many would say, oh, yeah, here's the keys. Go for it. It was a supernatural thing that took place here. It was, it was to fulfill prophecy. Hallelujah. All this was done that it might be fulfilled. Here we go. Which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a great multitude spread their clothes on the on the road, others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word today. Your word is living. Your word is sharp as a two-edged sword. Let your word minister and cut away things that need to be cut away to bring healing in those areas that need healing. We thank you and we praise you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. There were three things that happened on this first Palm Sunday. First, everyone in Israel knew that the Messiah would be enthroned as king in Jerusalem. They knew that because they knew the scriptures. They knew what the prophets had said. And so, secondly, the Passover feast was about to begin. And the celebration brought many, many. Passover was one of the feasts that everyone who was in a, a child of Israel, they had to go to Jerusalem to celebrate it. And so the city just grew in numbers as they came. There was an expectation, you see. Because thirdly, Jesus had performed so many miracles. For three years, he had been performing miracle after miracle after miracle to try to show the lost sheep of Israel that he truly was the Messiah. Well, just a few months earlier, or a month earlier, I think it was, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so there was, there was a fevered pitch to this Passover like they'd never had before. Could this Jesus truly be our Messiah? Could this Jesus truly break away uh, us from the Roman oppression that we are under right now? So they began to shout praises to him. 
the cry of salvation. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, what it means is save me now. Every time they shouted Hosanna, they were saying, Jesus, save me now. Have you ever cried out to Jesus? You were in a situation, a calamity. There was an illness. There was a sickness. There was a tragedy in your home. And you cried out and you said, Jesus, save me now. Well, there's no other salvation for any one of us in this room but through the person of Jesus Christ. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus. They were crying out. It was a cry of acclamation, of praise. It was a plea for him to come and deliver them. Today, that same cry is found in the hearts of many people, even today. Maybe you've been crying out to Jesus this week. Maybe even this morning something has happened. And it's just like, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm at the end of my rope, and I don't know where to put my hand next. So I'm going to lift up my hand to you, Jesus. I'm going to grasp a hold of you. And I'm saying, Jesus, you need to save me now because I don't know what else to do. I have great news for you today on this Palm Sunday. There is a much deeper salvation available to all of us who call upon the name of the Lord. You're saying, well, how can that be, Pastor? We know that there is a salvation not just from the wages of sin, and praise God for that. But there's also salvation from every chain of sin themselves. You and I can be saved from being hounded to committing sin over and over and over and over again and needing to go back forgiveness over and over and over again. We can be released from that vicious cycle that the enemy tries to program us in, thinking that this is the only way that we're going to be able to live. And we, so, we might as well just give up and just cope with it the best we can. We're in a season now where God loves you so much, he wants the full redemption of your soul to be realized. Not to give in to that sin that so easily besets you. Thank you, Sue, for being obedient to the Lord. We don't have to give up to that. We can live a holy, righteous life. We can be saved not just from the punishment for giving in to like outbursts of anger or wrath, but we can be set free from the root of anger and wrath that is in our flesh. This happens when we're obedient to the Holy Spirit's promptings. When we're obedient, as the Holy Spirit says to us in that delicate, sweet voice, son, daughter, really? Is it worth getting that upset about? But Lord, they just cut me off. So? Is it worth getting upset about? Because your wife doesn't have the house clean when you get home. Is it worth getting upset about when your kids come home with a bad grade? Is it worth all of that? And we have the greater one living inside of us who has redeemed us from feeding into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 13 tells us, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If we live according to the flesh, feeding our flesh all the time, well, I, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what I'm going through. Do you know what Jesus went through on that cross for you and me? I, how many of you like to go to the dentist? I want to see your hands, please. Because I want to come and I, wanna, I want you to pray for me because I don't like going to the dentist. And every time I sit in that chair, I think of Jesus hanging on that cross for me. You need more Novocaine? Mm-hmm. But I think of what Jesus did. No Novocaine did he take. So let's not live according to the flesh anymore because it brings nothing but death. And you know where that death begins? It begins in the spirit first. If you continue to feed to flesh, whatever it may be, you will, you will slowly die. You will commit a spiritual suicide where all of a sudden your spirit becomes calloused. Your heart becomes calloused. No, no longer does it concern you anymore. When you say something or do something that you know is unsavory, you just keep on doing it. But when you have the Holy One living inside of you and you sow onto the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit, then those things of the flesh aren't going to matter anymore. You're just going to walk right out of them. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. I tell you that all the time, and it's the truth. He says, but if you are, but if by the Spirit you put to death, if by the Spirit you put to death, none of us can put to death those, those cravings of the flesh. None of us can. Just try going on a diet by yourself. See how well that works. Just try fasting without the Holy Spirit. You'll definitely fail. Come on, somebody. But if you give it to the Lord and say, Lord, by your spirit working inside of me, that's the only way I'm going to be able to live this. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. When Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, and John said, no, 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 Jesus, no, no, I, you should be baptizing me. And he says, no, but this has to be done in order that all righteousness be fulfilled. And then John said, Lord, you must increase, and I must decrease. Lord, you must increase, and I must decrease. We will never decrease and walk in the Spirit until the Lord increases. Well, we have a fresh revelation of his goodness and his love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe upon him should not perish but have everlasting light. Jesus not come into the world to condemn the world or to condemn you, but through his love that you might be saved. If we focus on Jesus, we won't focus on sin. If we focus on Jesus, we won't focus on hate. If we focus on Jesus, we will not get tripped up. Jesus must increase, and then we will decrease. The author of the letter written to the Hebrews writes, in Hebrews 7, 25, he, speaking of Jesus, is also able to save unto the uttermost. Shout out, uttermost. Out, I can't even talk right now. Uttermost. Shout that. You do it better than me. Okay. Those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's the title of my message today. Saved unto the uttermost. Palm Sunday is all about 
explanations of, of praise and shouts of salvation from a covenant people who desire to be free. Do you desire to be free today? I mean truly free, truly free from this life. This holy book that I have in my hands right now, it weaves throughout its pages a scarlet thread of salvation to whomsoever would call upon his name. Well, then, if it's salvation, I desire to preach to you today. We have in our text in Hebrews 7, 25, three things, and I'll make it as quick as I can. In the first place, we are told, they who are saved are those who come to God through Jesus Christ. Secondly, we are told the extent of the Savior's ability to save, well, he's able to save unto the uttermost. And thirdly, we have the reason given why he can save unto the uttermost. Because he always lives to make intercession for you and me. Isn't that amazing? First, we are told we are people who are saved. Who are the people who are saved? Those who come to God. They come to God through Jesus Christ. There's no limitation here then, is there? It doesn't matter what your social economic situation is. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, yellow, purple, or red. It, it doesn't matter if you're Lutheran, Catholic, Episcopalian, Protestant, Pentecostal, Baptist. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It just says those, which I understand to mean all peoples, anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. How often, dearly beloved, have the best of us mocked God by just repeating scripture or just repeating a form of prayer, thinking that by just doing that alone or just going through the motions and just singing a song without any heart or spirit behind it, that it's acceptable unto God. How many, and just be honest here today, okay? And I'm not pointing my fingers at anybody because I'm speaking to myself too because I got flesh that I deal with as well. But how many of us go to church <laughs> And all of a sudden, our body's here, but our mind is far from here. Oh, there goes Pastor Pete praying again. I think I'll just go nod off now. Come on, you guys. There's times when we're not fully here. Let me ask you something. How many of you, when you bathe today, and I hope you all bathe, I hope you soap. <laughs> Deodorant's good, too. But how many of you... Just bathed half of your body. How many only brushed half of your teeth? I'm glad to see that all of you came fully clothed. That's good. So I know you're capable of giving it all. How many know Jesus gave it all? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't give up when it really got tough? Oh my gosh. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price, the high price for, to remove every sin from my life. Where sin doesn't have to have dominion over me anymore. I don't have to come fall victim to the chains of sin anymore because I got your holy righteousness living through me. Hallelujah. I got your precious blood flowing through my veins. I don't have to succumb to generational curses or, competed, or, or repeated sins of the past that have always brought me down. 
Jesus has come. Let me tell you something. It's one thing to go to church. It's quite another thing to go to God. To go to God. I'm a preacher, man. Whether you agree or whether I see you bawling and squalling at the altar or not, I don't care. I'm going to preach the word, and you're going to, it's up to you whether you want to receive it or not. We are in an hour right now where God is so longing for his children just to give it all to him, just to give it all. Every one of your sins, every one of your bad habits, everything that has held you back, come on. We cry out, Jesus, save me. And he said, I saved you already. When are you going to walk in the full salvation that I've given you? Yeah. See, no one can do it for you. I can't do it for you. Your husband or wife can't do it for you. Young people, your parents can't do it for you. This is something, a decision that each one of us has to make for ourselves. Are we truly going to come to God or are we going to just keep on playing church? Are we going to come to God? Because he's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can deliver us. He's the only one that can set us free. Until I breathe my last, I'm going to keep preaching it. Because if we don't see a God that moves in signs and wonders and performs his word, then we are wasting our time. Then what Jesus did on Calvary's cross doesn't matter. Heaven forbid. But let me tell you something. He gave it all. We should give it all. There's no earthly use for us to pretend to be on two sides of the question. If God be God, then serve God. If Baal be God, then serve Baal. Either be red hot for as a believer in, in Jesus Christ or just be the worst sinner. But make a choice. Make a choice. What choice do you want to have? Can I tell you something? Eternity is a long time. Eternity is a long time. We can't even fathom how long eternity is. I'm so tired of seeing God's people get beat up. I'm tired of seeing alcohol and drugs constantly mess people up. I'm tired of it. So we're either 100% with God and 100% hot with God, or we're not. Jesus, we must come to God, those who come to God. With our whole spirit, soul, and body, Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31 Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You don't have to memorize this Bible to get that. Just get those two verses down and you'll have the whole Bible. 
Just get those two verses down inside of you. And when you, when you breathe your last and you stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, he's going to say, well done, thy good faithful servant. That's all you have to do. Just love God with everything that's within you. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The problem is we don't love ourselves correctly. We're too busy preserving ourselves, protecting ourselves, playing it easy. But can I tell you something? Unless you abandon it all, you'll never receive all from him. You can shout all you want, Hosanna, save me now. And your salvation will not be fully realized until you fully empty yourself and give yourself fully to him. Trust me, I know. Because I've tried to do it. I've tried to help God out so many times. And every time I help him out, I just fail miserably. And God's saying, okay, Barbie, are you done? Watch me do it now. So you must come to God, yes. But you must come through the person of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 21, I already said it, it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus himself even said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. We cannot come to God except going through Jesus Christ. There's no other way we can be saved but through the person of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, he talks about the analogy that he is the shepherd, right? And if anybody goes into the gate without going through him, they are a robber and they are a thief. Jesus, I can handle this, though. I, I, I can handle this one. This one's okay. Jesus, you can just take a break now. But then you're, you're robbing him of blessing you. You're being a thief. You're trying to take success on your own without going through Jesus. There's only one way. It's through Jesus to come to Almighty God. Unless you want to go down Calvary's road and get beaten with 39 stripes upon your back, spat upon, humiliated, stripped of all your clothing in front of everybody, mocked at, sneered at, and then nailed to that ugly beam called the cross. Jesus has done it for us. He's paved the way. Aren't you glad for that? There are two important questions I want to ask you. Speaking of John chapter 10, where he talks about that he, he is the shepherd. Number one, have you heard the voice of the good shepherd? And number two, do you follow the voice of the good shepherd? If you've never discovered the voice of the good shepherd, today is your day to receive Jesus and to be able to hear his voice. There are many Christians that say, I wish I, I could hear Jesus. I wish Jesus would speak to me. He is speaking to you. You're just too busy doing your own thing. You're too preoccupied with the things of the world that you're drowning out 
the precious voice of Jesus. Glory to God. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope he's done soon. <laughs> but when we come to God, you guys, what do we come for? There are some who think they come to God who do not come for the right thing. There's many a young students that cry out to God, oh, help me on this test that I have tomorrow. There's many a store owners that would say, Lord, help me to make more money and to figure this thing out, that this dilemma in my business. There's many a parent that comes to God saying, Lord, help me with my child. They're acting up at home, and I don't know how to take care of this hormonal thing that they're going through right now. And the list goes on and on. Each one comes to God and is accustomed in, in any difficulty to put up some kind of prayer, which if they knew its value, they might cease from offering it. But to know that Jesus is the answer to everything. The poor sinner in coming to Christ has only one object. If all the world were offered to him, he would not think it worth his acceptance if he could not have Jesus Christ. So secondly, what, what is the measure? What is the measure of the Savior's ability to save us? Well, he's able to save the, to the uttermost the, vilest, the, the, vile, the most violent criminal and the most wayward sinner that you can think of. Think of the most evil person in this world, and God is able to save that person unto the uttermost. Amen. Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who have been rejected by family and friends. Jesus is able to save to the uttermost one who has reached the deepest pit of despair. And Jesus is able to save unto the uttermost anything and everything that would try our hearts to turn away from Jesus. Why is Jesus able to save unto the uttermost? Because he ever lives to make intercession for you and me. Wow. That means two important things. Number one, it implies that he died, which indeed is the great source of his saving power. Because unless he died, we would not have this power given unto us. Amen. With every drop of blood that he shed, it gave us that power to be like him and to live like him. Hallelujah. Another reason is because he's passionate about you. What parent isn't passionate to see their kids succeed in life? Jesus, at this very moment, is praying for all of us. He's definitely praying for me that I get this out like he wants me to get it out and that you receive this message as well. We can't lose. There's no way we can lose. And the crazy thing is, Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. The scripture says he was tempted at every point, yet he did not succumb to sin. So know that it doesn't matter if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling rejected, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling, you know, despair, if you're feeling like, Lord, what's going to happen tomorrow? Jesus understands. And if you can't even put it to words, just say his name. Just say Jesus. And his presence will come right in the midst of your situation. And he'll begin to save you unto the uttermost. 
Yeah, on that day, they were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord, save us now. Salvation has come to each and every one of us, to whomsoever will. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you come to that place of reckoning at the cross? As I conclude, I'm going to conclude with a warning and then with a question that I want you to ponder. The warning is there's no guarantee that tomorrow will occur for any of us. It's appointed unto us to die, and then comes the judgment. We don't know when our, our time is up. And the other thing that you must realize in this hour, as we're getting closer and closer and closer for the Lord's return, and his glory to be poured upon this earth like we've never seen before, God's not going to strive with man forever. He's been so long-suffering with each and every one of us, and he's been trying to get our attention because he wants to so much bless us and use us in a powerful way. But if you choose to keep hanging on to it, he's going to say, okay, well, there's nothing I can do. So would you surrender it to God today? Whatever it is. And then the question I have is because he has saved each and every one of us unto the uttermost, what have you done for him? In this Holy Week, think about that. What have you done for Jesus? Not every one of you are called to be a a pastor, unless you're called, don't do it, run from it. I'm telling you, run really fast from it if you're not called. <laughs> but we all have something that we can give. What are we imparting to people every day that we live? Some of you older people, you think, well, what can I give? I just stay in my home. I, I, I don't get out. You can pray. You can pray. You have a lot to give. Let this week leading up to Resurrection Sunday be a solemn time of reflection to the Lord. Lord, is there something that I'm holding on to that you've already saved me from that I just need to be just set free? I just give it to you. If you need me to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to pray with you. But a lot of, a lot of deliverance is just instant obedience. Just listen to what the Lord's telling you and just be obedient and you'll be set free. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Please stand to your feet. You've been so patient. But before I leave, I, I, I do have to ask the most important question, have you come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I'm not saying have you been baptized as a baby and confirmed as an adult or a teenager, and that's good if you have. But have you come to the place where you know that you're a sinner and the only way that you can be saved is to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins? I'm not going to embarrass anybody in this place. The Holy Spirit would never do that either. But if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, why don't you ask him today? He's not mad at you. He loves you. He's just waiting for you because he's not going to force himself on anybody. It's a choice, a free will. He's given us a free will to choose you this day who we are going to serve.
Will you choose to serve him today? It will be the most important decision you'll ever make. Secondly, you've made that decision for Jesus, but something's happened, and there's an interruption in your communion with God. Again, I'm going to tell you, God's not mad at you. He loves you. He's just waiting for you to surrender and come back to him. So if that describes you either way, on the count of three, with every head bowed, every eye closed, this is between you and God. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand up nice and high. Lift your hand up in recognition that you want Jesus to come and save you now. Here we go. One, two, three. I see that hand. Is there anybody else that will be brave and honest? Can I tell you something? I want to let you know that God loves you, and he's not holding this against you. And you're not doing this for my sake, but you're doing this for your sake. Again, I'm going to offer this call again. Don't let your pride or religion keep you from raising your hand to the Lord. If you need God to become more real to you, why don't you do it today so this week can mean so much more to you than it ever has? Here we go. One, two, three. Everybody in this house, put your right hand on your heart and repeat this prayer from your heart after me. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you provided me a way that I could be in right standing with you. It's through your son, Jesus Christ. Forgive me, Lord, of all of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I recognize Jesus, that you became my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Be Lord of my life. Let me live every day to bring glory to you. I thank you, Lord, that as I profess you as my Lord, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life for all eternity. I am saved. I am born again of your spirit. And heaven is my home. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. If you said that for the first time and those watching by way of internet, please let us know. Tell somebody. It's so important you share it with somebody. And uh, we have a book that we want to get you. It's uh, How to Live your, your New Life in Christ. And we just love to sew that into you. So please contact us and let us know. Amen. Well, you guys, be blessed. Have an awesome week. And, uh, oh, yes, one more thing. We got to pray for Tim. Tim.
I walk at least a mile a day, you can't walk without a cane anymore. You can't work. Mm -hmm. So he is believing, and I am believing, for his total and complete healing. Amen. Hallelujah. How many believe that the Lord can do that? How many of those, there's no distance in the spirit? Come on, there's a power and agreement. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift him up to you. We thank you that by your stripes, the stripes you bore upon his back, your back, his back is whole and healed. Father, we thank you that that pain in L4 is no longer there. We thank you that there's full mobility in that area. We thank you, God, that he'll be able to walk with strength, without pain, without use of a cane. Lord, we know that all things are possible uh, through you because we believe. And we thank you that this word has gone forth now. And in the name of Jesus, you watch over your word to perform it. And I thank you, God, that you're performing it. And what's going to come out of this mother's mouth in days coming forth is a testimony of how you reached down out of your grace and mercy and your nail-scarred hands touched his back and brought this healing forth. We thank you and we praise you, God, that you are true to your word and that this is done all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed, you guys. You're welcome.